learning how to write was one of the most like formative things in my life and career. And I think good writing leads to good thinking, to clarifying thoughts, to creating strategy, to driving creativity, to clarifying, you know, what you want in life. I do writing to, to do goal setting and all that type of stuff. If you, you can't outsource those things to AI, you can't say to a GPT thing, Hey, you know, what should I do next? You have to feed the inputs and your output's only as good as the input you put in. Behind the scenes, it was a small group of people that were doing everything. Slow is smooth and smooth is fast. I want to know how this insane growth actually happened. What are you doing when no one's around, no one's looking? Are you just showing up and doing the minimum? Or are you approaching it like a pro? Be a student of the game. Welcome, welcome to your bonus episode of the GTM Pod. We appreciate you listening each and every week. Uh, I gotta say, Ed Kalman's episode is going absolutely bonkers right now. So if you haven't checked that one out yet, make sure you go back and listen to that one uh, and find out why Ed sent ten thousand pens to one of his sales leaders at the, the end of quarter. It's a, a pretty good. Uh, story that's got some some folklore now at uh at seismic um I like, that, I like our podcast format i gotta say i mean we we said we didn't want to do just another podcast and we do get into some really good stories from the trenches uh you know actionable ones funny ones but we've got a lot of folks who've kind of you know our, our mantra has been there done that you know zero to ipo so uh it's cool to hear and you know times have changed so some things are you know, maybe timeless. Some things uh, maybe need to be slightly tweaked for the mm -hmm. the new age. You know, we've got a lot of new technology at our fingertips, and um, you know the 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 workforce has changed generationally speaking. You know, uh, whereas you know some uh, one generation retiring, another one graduating, uh, and so on and so forth. And the technology adoption and things that comes with the generation just seems to compress over time. Whereas, you know, maybe your generation and the generation before it had more in common uh, previously than, the, than they do now, just because of how fast technology has developed and things have developed, mainstream media, things like that as, as people grow up. But um, yeah, I think it's, it's a really interesting format, some great stories coming out of it. If you haven't checked it out already, um, well, you're on here, so you must be, but it's great. Oh, yeah. Is that a thing? So there's this uh, technology compression. I wonder if they're, do you know if they're compressing um, generations now? Because that makes sense. Like generations should, you think, be getting I think smaller. They I think yeah. they are. There was like, like it, I feel like it used to be like 10 year, like 10 or 15 year buckets. And now yeah. it's like, how do we already go from like, millennials to gen z to i feel like we're on the next one already i don't yeah. know maybe i'm just getting old quickly but <laughs> uh, i hope they are because if you take into account how fast things are moving you have to really you have to think that like maybe somebody who's 60 and somebody who's 48 you know probably life was not too different for them like at least how they came up versus maybe somebody who's 28 verse 18 or you know uh, 30 verse 18. Um, you know, look at us. I mean, we were native to Facebook, Instagram, some of these types of things. And then, you know, just a couple of years later, folks native, native to TikTok now and whatever else. Like I'm not on TikTok. I don't know 
what what I would even do on there, right? So um, it it is interesting. But anyway, tangent. But the, the fund is just to caveat: the fund is on TikTok, and we're rocking. The fund rolling. is on TikTok. Yes, the fund is blowing up on TikTok. And you know that that's the funny thing about investing. I mean, we do a lot of B two B, but you still have to pay attention to these generational shifts. I mean, I I will literally send stuff to my nephew who's eighteen. And just be like, hey, you know, is this interesting? Are people using this? Like, you know, we see stuff in ed tech that they're that you know folks are selling to school districts and things like that. I want to know if if K through twelve or or you know college kids are are using those things. Um, you know what the adoption is, and even with the the you know GPT and OpenAI type stuff that's coming out right right now. Like one of the biggest use cases is uh, you know the the cheating on test use case. And they don't mm-hmm. come out and say that blatantly. They say, oh, it helps you write your essays. But you know, we all know what's going on there. I think it is going to be one of the, the – these gen, this generation, while they have access to what is now like a calculator for writing, they're almost getting – I feel like they're almost getting defrauded of an education in how to write and mm-hmm. you know how to write. Learning how to write was one of the most like formative things in my life and career. And I think good writing leads to good thinking, to clarifying thoughts, to creating strategy, to driving creativity, to clarifying, you know, what you want in life. I do writing to to do goal setting and all that type of stuff. If you, you can't outsource those things to AI. You can't say to a GPT thing, Hey, you know, what should I do next? You have to feed the inputs and your output's only as good as the input you put in. So the inputs start with good writing, good clarification of thoughts, good structured thinking, and then you can feed, you know, prompts and get the kind of fluffy, you know, narrative type stuff. So that's why you see it's like, yeah, these things are good for for writing, you know, listicle blog posts, but they're not going to mm-hmm. be great for, you know, the style of writing that, that we know has moved the needle. I mean, look at what Gong has done with their data, their, you know, proprietary data. You know, that was really good content that you need good inputs to spit out, you know, good output of content for that type of content, right? So, um, it'll be interesting to see. So it's funny. It's a funny little tangent on the generational stuff, but we definitely see that, you know, how that affects, you know, some of the investments that we do on the fund side of things, and you know, on the on the on the VC front, you know, I, I might have said this before out loud on here, but you know, we were in sales tech for a very long time between sales hacker and outreach and. You know, it was more, we were creators of content more than we were consumers of content. And the content we created was a lot from our experience inside of sales, inside of sales tech, talking to people in the space. And, and that's all great and was necessary for that business. But as you move into spending more time in venture capital, your time creating becomes so little compared to your time consuming. And a lot of, you know, my time has been reading books, talking to people about trends, understanding, you know, where the world is going. Cause you, you kind of have to be a little like one part historian, one part scientist, one part environmentalist, one part psychologist. Like there's so like uh, economist, futurist, like there's so many different things you have to be brushed up on to really understand, you know, not only where the world is going, but where we are right now. You have to, I, I think like, um, I forgot who said it. There was a VC that was, you know, um, that had stated this before, but VC is not about being, uh, you know, reading a, a crystal ball. It's about understanding crystal clear where we are right now. And mm-hmm. if you do that, you have a better 
you'll have a better understanding of where the world may be going because nobody can read the future, right? So it's all about understanding, you know, where are, what, what is happening right now in the world? And historically, what are the cycles that we're in the middle of? So we can dictate where the future might be going. But if you don't do any of that work, I mean, you're just another talking head on Twitter following the trend of other talking heads. Oh yeah, we're, mm-hmm. you know, AR, VR, to Web3, to cannabis, to AI. And then, you know, you're never really nailing anything because you're always chasing the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you, you bring that up. And an interesting thing happens too when you, when you up your consumption of content, of good content, I actually find it a little bit more difficult to have a strong point of view on things because I, I, I know where we're going. So putting things in like black and white, there's like nuance to everything, right? And it's like the old quote of, you know, the smartest people know they know nothing. And like the more you explore where we're going and the changes in the VC landscape and technology and the go-to-market landscape, it's hard to be like, no, this is the truth because the truth is changing at such a rapid pace that it's hard to kind of stamp uh, a cliche and put it out into the, into the universe. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, so before we dive into sort of baseball card stats, we'll give folks kind of a state of the union of everything, GTM fund, go to market, venture capital. Uh, we are deep in SKO season. For the last six years, uh, you and I would have been or at least four years at Outreach. I don't know if we did SKLs at Sales Hacker. I, I, don't I would think we speak did at them once in a while, but we didn't have our own at Sales Hacker. But yeah, yeah Outreach, I mean, four, four of those? Is that what, yeah, I don't know. I COVID kind of threw a wrench in some of the in-person ones. But um, yeah. Are you yeah. happy or sad you aren't uh, participating in one? Um, a mix, a mix. You know, uh, I think... For an executive, SKOs, it, it's kind of fun to see the team bond and get everybody together and see the energy in the room. But a lot of time is kind of spent putting together presentations, especially on the marketing side of things, like you're helping every team with your presentation. Um, you're also kind of like a chaperone and like a parent in the room as well. So like, you know, as much fun as you want to have, you also have to be like the, one of the responsible ones. Uh, so that's not as fun. Um, you know, uh, make sure no one does any career limiting moves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There. I think, uh, Ross at, uh, at corporate bro is, uh, is doing some really good content around that right now. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't miss it. I, I, I think I love the, I love, and I miss being in a company and going to war and like having that feeling of competing and, 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 um, you know, seeing the numbers go up and, you know, being all together. And um, I would definitely want to be at a company that is predominantly in office if, if that were ever to happen again. But um, yeah, I, I miss that feeling. What I, I don't miss decks, presentations, uh, you know, meetings in, in meetings after meetings after meetings, that type of stuff. So uh, SKO season. Um, yeah, no, no thanks on the, on the, uh, lukewarm scrambled eggs and the uh, <laughs> almost stale croissants and the, uh, you know, coffee's out, but tea's there because I'm the only one who drinks tea out of the 300 and 500 or 700 people that are in the room. So, uh, anyway, I'm, I'm off caffeine now too, as well. I'm, uh, nine, nine days into it. We'll see how long I can last 
uh, this time, but uh, I'll be joining you on the the T train, I think. Yeah, and there there yeah. always seems at SKOs there also always seems to be like a fire. Every SKO I've ever had, like there's some big deal that's like something's fucked or like something's going on and all the executives are like secretly panicking and like running well, out of that's, the. That's the funniest part. It's like, they're always, it's always like, you know, a week or two or three right after the end of the fiscal year. But there's always those like couple deals that are big that pushed at the end of the year that you're like, all right, we got to get these in right away. We can't let this slip. Like I understand the push. And, you know, fortunately for us at Outreach, we were able to, to backfill those uh, through the years. But now, you know, I think more than ever, every deal counts. So, so you've got people who are, you know, in the audience that are at the SKO, but they're on their phones or computers and roping in, you know, their VP to get that deal done, get that deal across the line. So there's always fires with that. You know, there's always last minute presentation tweaks. Uh, there's always a board member who's going to, you know, speak at the SKO that has some kind of, you know, session that you then have to like do a bunch of work on. So um, all sorts of fires. Fun times, you know, never a dull moment in a, in a company. So, uh, in a startup. Yeah. L- last thing I, uh, was reading Mark Andreessen has a new Substack. He's writing every day. This guy's a, a madman. It's really good content though. Every single day. And he recently quit alcohol and he's pushing for, he thinks companies at these events should ban alcohol. He's like, it's a company event. It's not that weird, you know, drink on your own time. What do you think about that? I mean, booze is kind of never good in these situations. Maybe for bonding, maybe when they're going out on their own time after the event. But what what do you think about that? I think there'd be a big pushback if there was no booze. I don't know what kind of push. Like these people aren't in unions. I mean, pushback to what? They Mm -hmm. go to a business event, don't drink alcohol. It's not that big a deal. I think ultimately people are adults, and like if you can't trust them to drink responsibly at your event what are you hiring them for in the first place? Like that seems, it's almost like a disqualifier. So I kind of like it. Um, also gives you good stories and, you know, other stuff. Um, I don't know. I, I have no opinion. I can go either way on that. Uh, I agree that that's a, it's a work event. Why are we boozing? Whatever. But um, I don't know. The work people do in, in startups is hard enough. Like people want to have a, a couple drinks responsibly at a, an event, the company's cool with it, and everybody's an adult, then go for it. Yeah, yeah, cool. I I agree. I agree. Let let the people have some wine if they want it. But I mean, uh, where, and like, where does that? I think when you start doing that, it's like where does that end? I don't right. know. I mean, now we have to all I be vegan. I, we're I all gluten free in this company. <laughs> if I were to like have my way, I would say that I don't think people should drink coffee that work for my company because I think caffeine makes people impulsive and Mm -hmm. they and make impulsive decisions. It's not the way I want people making decisions. You can, you can say the same thing. Like if you are a staunch believer in, you know, gluten and food makes people tired or unhealthy, you could say, Oh, I I want my people to be full health and, you know, fully alert. They should do this. And and Mm -hmm. at one point you start saying like, Hey, well, I just found this awesome nootropic makes me much smarter. I want everyone at my company to start taking something. So I don't know. I don't like, I don't know where that thread ends. I don't think it's unreasonable not to have alcohol for purchase at a work event, but you know, we start like making decrees like that could go, could go on funky. And we might have to make 
these, I know these are supposed to be short, but I, I want to wrestle with that like philosophically for, for a while, but we'll do it over beers next time. You're, you're coming no up candy, to Vancouver. No sugar. No sugar. <laughs> you know what? The whole company is going to eat like I eat. You know, yeah. we're doing no like, sugar. Like Max's kids TV. eat. Yeah, no one's exactly. allowed. No one's allowed. Stupid yeah. TV. Only educational good yeah. shows. Coco Melon and this fucking hat. No way. No. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's let's get back to it. We'll we'll run through kind of some baseball card stats for February, and uh, my man, I'll get your your take on a few things and kind of just give people a look behind the curtain why these things happened, why we're doubling down on them. Uh, number one, which might be shocking to many, is we actually moved into a new GTM Fund HQ. We got a little satellite office up here in Vancouver. Uh, which is super exciting. We were we've kind of been proponents of remote work for a long time, and you and I have worked together, I think six years now, largely remotely. Uh, but we made the decision to get an office, which I'm super excited about. Uh, we also had uh, Sarah Del Barello join us as a full time marketing manager. We're getting some of that Gen Z energy into the fund. Uh, she's been doing great work. Uh, we also had a new intern, Amit, uh, join us from UBC. Uh, he's finishing off his degree and hoping to break into venture capital. So we're putting him to work. Uh, super, super sharp kid. Uh, we also did three deals this month. So we've been we've been active. Uh, we blew past 10K downloads on this podcast. So thank you all. And our newsletter is just about to crack 35,000. Sorry, 3,500. Not quite there. 3,500 subscribers, which is not bad for just a couple months into it. Uh, we did run an SPV, which we'll run through what that is in a bit. Uh, we made the investment to upgrade our job board. Um, and I know Paul's got this down, but I'm starting to lose track of how many placements we've made now. But it's got to be pushing 80. Uh, we also have an Angel Investing 101 class coming up for our members and LPs. And then we have our GTM retreat that we finally locked in for September in Napa. And we'll have a full event calendar that should be announced this week, uh, which is pretty cool. But let's start with number one. So we moved into this HQ. What was the the reasoning behind that? What are your thoughts there? Because you messaged me and said I want to go in office. <laughs> <laughs> I reluctantly was like, ah, uh, okay. Nice little added expense there. No, we have we have, we have critical mass in Vancouver now between you, Paul, Sarah, and Amit all being in one location, uh, you know, it makes sense if, if you're all going to get together. I think some of the best work happens serendipitously where, you, you know, you're in an office with somebody, you catch them at, you know, lunch or after um, email hours or phone call hours and stuff like that. And, hey, I've been thinking about this. Let's whiteboard it out. I think some of the best things happen at that time. I will never move to uh, Vancouver. So that's out of the question. But well. I look for We'll, as much we'll as see. Possible. Never say you know, never, dude. You're going to come up here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know. I mean, once you get Arizona weather in Vancouver, it could be a it's possibility. True. But I think we have much worse problems um, if, if yeah. that's happening. So, uh, yeah. No, it's good. Um, I'm glad that uh, you're all together in that office. I'm going to head up there towards the end of this month um, and and see it. I haven't been to Vancouver since 2006, so that'll be fun. Um, but, yeah. Back when I'm, you were I'm a hooligan. Good. Yeah, Running the mean streets of Vancouver. I know. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I mean, it's been incredible. We've been in it for a month now. I think it's been some of the most productive time we've had. You know, 
the ability just to yell at Paul or yell at Sarah and save myself an email uh, is incredible. Like yell nicely, just like yell. What what's I was up with say, this? Like, <laughs> fuck Paul! You know, <laughs> the fuck is this? I don't have to swear <laughs> in all my emails now. I can just get it all out in person. Um, well, yell at and yell to are probably like two different things. Like yes, yell to. Hey Paul, can I have something? Paul, you you suck. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? <laughs> It, it's been helpful. And then for, for you too, even though you're not here, I was like, how many whiteboard photos have I sent you? You'll be like, hey, I need an update on this. And I'll just take a picture of the whiteboard and be like, yeah, we did a session. Check it out. It's helpful. It's good. It's good. Yeah. Um, cool. The, the second piece, so we made this full-time hire. It's a big investment for us. You know, it's our, our fourth official hire. Uh, why was it important to invest in the marketing and community side next of GTM Fund with this new new hire? Because you sent me a text and said, "Hey, I, no, <laughs> all all ten of these are just because you fucking yeah. told me to, man." Because <laughs> you two text me and wear me down and say, "Hey, we need to know." I'm kidding. Um, no office, Max. Great, we haven't slept in a year and a half. Oh, yeah. We need to it's hire good. someone. Just work hard. Good. Yeah. Feet to the fire. No, Sarah. Sarah's a, an awesome dish. She's been with us for a little while now, but now uh, I'd say it's more official. But. Um, we're doing a lot of doubling down on on the media side and the community side of, of the business. I mean, I don't think like I'll talk more about this uh, soon. We got we got kind of new website and brand launching. Um, won't tap too much into that, but hopefully we'll have more on that on the on the next one of these. But you know, we started as a VC firm rooted around community. We're doing a lot of the things that we did at Sales Hacker, but you know, operationalizing it differently through the fund. And, you know, so we have fund community and media as like the three pillars of our platform. And we come from operator backgrounds. We want to make sure that, you know, we're thinking about this first principles thinking. We think about this differently than, you know, a traditional VC firm would or might. And, you know, for us, I think that means completely blurring the lines between fund community and media, not thinking about it as like necessarily three different products, but as one product, um, you know, that has this ever kind of spinning flywheel between those three pillars and having somebody that can come in and help thread those things, you know, more closely together, I think, um, you know, is super useful to, to, you know, what we're trying to do here, which ultimately is um, get amazing deal flow through our LP network, which is, you know, network of scouts, essentially. 300 GTM leaders who are all operators who act as scouts get deal flow from, you know, tier one VC firms that, you know, want us on the cap table, get deal flow from people who listen to the podcast, read the newsletter. And then also once we access those companies through investment, support them in a, in a meaningful way to positively affect the outcome of that business. And so that means, you know, using our community, uh, you know, to support our portfolio companies. And with that, you know, there's some scalable infrastructure that we built, you know, coming from our operator background, leveraging software. Um, but, you know, there's also, you know, Sarah and Paul and folks who act, act as switchboard operators that allow us to, you know, kind of make that happen in a, in a more personalized way. And then the last piece on the media side is being able to take those practitioners, those operators and put them on a pedestal share that information and content and knowledge with the rest of the world. And, you know, that's our free, that's our free sample, right? Like mm -hmm. 
you get Ed Callan on a podcast, you get him riffing about his experience and what he can help with. And then hopefully if you're raising money and you're a startup and you hear him and you hear Holly Firestone talk about community and Erica Cull talk about community and you hear, you know, Udi talk about, uh, you know, marketing, some of the best to, to ever do it in their areas of business that you say to yourself, wow, they've got the knowledge, you know, I want to raise money from them. I, I need to be able to tap into these people more than just listening to a podcast. And so that's the flywheel that I've built. So, you know, an investment in bringing Sarah on just, you know, kind of fortifies what we're doing there. And I think now we're fully staffed for the foreseeable future. Like we've got all the pieces in place. Um, until the know, next tax. Yeah. Until then, until I get a bunch <laughs> of more wear down tasks and then it's like, uh, all right. Well, now nah, we're, we're all set for sure. Uh, we got a, a rock star team. Everyone's cranking. We got, uh, yeah, like we, we we talked about a meet. I won't get you to go in on on that decision because it was it was similar. Hey, we we need a meet. Um, but uh, he he's been awesome, man. If if anyone out there has any sort of uh, ill feelings towards Gen Z, I think uh, saying that they don't work hard or they don't want like opportunities. He works you hard. Know, I don't know, but he he works but, super you know, hard. I, and I think like I've never been a huge fan of internships uh in general just because i i always feel like it's um for a lot of folks like oh i have to do this thing for school i need an intro i have to do this thing so i can get a better job later and then it's just like a a checkbox on a resume you know or whatnot and uh and then you know the other part of it is all right you're gonna have somebody come to the company and work for three or four months onboarding, training, getting the work the way you want them to work, all that kind of stuff like that takes time just for the payoff of like a short lived stint. So, but you know, if you get a really good one, um, they're worth it. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not a black and white thing. Uh, it's nuanced conversation, but you know, he's doing a great job. So, uh, happy about that. And then, um, yeah, I mean on the, I don't know if anybody else there's a uh, deals. Yeah. Before we get into that, there's a Instagram account called praying for exits, really good account on all things venture capital. They did a, uh, we posted in this RLP update. They did a question for founders it says, what do you consider uh, most when choosing investors? And uh, 38% came in with value add, which bodes really well for us. Um, I was not expecting that to be the number one answer because the number two answer was round price or money offered. So you'd kind wow. of think like that would be a, Number one, right? Not. Uh, number three was partner on the deal. And number four was the firm brand. So, you know, uh, pretty good, pretty good outcome for us on a, on a poll like that. It's highly followed count by a lot of founders and, and VCs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very in line with our capital plus thinking that we talk about all the time. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Three deals we did this month. You want to quickly tease a few of them? There's some exciting ones in there. Yeah, we were able to double down on Writer, um, and that was a fun one because you know we invested in their previous round of funding. Um, we were able to buy out uh, one of the angels at a lower valuation than what I think the company will be worth in a few months. So that's exciting. Um, Armada Systems, I can't say much about, but two seasoned entrepreneurs in this in the kind of space X Starlink space. Uh, I'll leave it at that. And then fastbreak.ai, uh, another one that, you know, we can't give too much away on, but uh, founder sold his uh, previous company for 450 million to Salesforce. 
is kind of doing a very similar thing than his previous company, but for a much larger uh, market. And um, they've already got you know deep relationships in the in the space, so that's an exciting one too. Um, we did an SPV for Document Crunch, um, which is a company we invested in previously, uh, doing really well, and we were able to open that uh, opportunity up again to our our LPs. So uh, exciting, exciting month on the deal front. You know this this fund will Max, do less. Sorry, deals. do you want to quickly break down what an SPV is for our listeners that might not be super familiar? Special purpose vehicle. So it allows us to raise money as a syndicate for a certain deal that is outside of the fund. Cool. Yeah. So another way of thinking of it is, you know, we set up a special purpose vehicle and then we give our members and LPs the opportunity to invest uh, above and beyond what they've already given to the fund. And they can, you know, decide on a case by case basis if they want to put in 2,500. 20k whatever it is and then we'll pool all that and that will be the spv that goes into uh the company as an investment uh and then we did upgrade our our job board uh we talked briefly about that uh but again this is just part of our trend of constantly upgrading our infrastructure uh and i think we built a, a pretty great ecosystem infrastructure that powers all of these connections and I think last year was 70 placements. We've already had three executives this month that we've placed. Um, so that's a cool, cool trend. Four, I wasn't super involved in this new. Four yeah. that I know about so far this year, um, which is you know, really cool. Yeah, super cool. Um, and then you've got your Angel Investing 101. Uh, we're doing a session next week, I believe it is, for our LPs and members. So we do a ton of sessions. We have like some for our LPs and members. We do even more for our founders. Walk me through why that is an important piece of what we're doing as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, you know, what do we bring to the table? Yeah, Canada placement's huge. Um, You know, we talk about, I think last year we placed over 70 candidates, 12 of which were C-level, VP-level. We've already placed four that I know about um, that were VPC-level this year. So... That's that's a lot of money. Uh, you know, I I ended up um, hanging out with a CEO in Arizona of a recruiting firm. They placed three hundred people last year, forty employees they have, and uh, did a little over fifteen million in revenue on that. So, you know, if you ex- extrapolate those numbers out a little bit with no dedicated resources, not one full time employee on this, we placed seventy. Um, you know, you're you're looking at like four or five million dollars that we saved our portfolio companies at recruiting fees. Also the time they would have spent in interview cycles. And then um, I, I think we probably gave them, you know, some really well vetted candidates compared to what they might've hired otherwise. Uh, so it's a, that's a crazy um, valuable service. I think second to that, you know, from a value add standpoint, we've got expertise, uh, you know, that, that been there, done that expertise. So when you're able to get someone like, you know, Udi from Gong to come in and do a, an hour with our portfolio companies and they can ask questions on there and get kind of private answers. You're getting the real goods. You're getting the meat, you know, from Udi. And they did some really impressive stuff at Gong in the early days, especially with Gong Labs and, and you know, those programs. So you're, you're kind of getting, you know, we're able to surface the best of the best who've been there, done that and B2B SaaS and, you know, provide kind of like a private 
AMA experience with you know those folks in our portfolio companies. And I think that's hugely valuable. And you know that that then becomes a repository that anybody can go back to at any time and and you know that as long as they're a portfolio company and get that that value for new portfolio companies. Yeah. I'm excited and I think that's really going to start coming together this year as we've been more intentional with the sessions we're doing and seeing that resource center come together and, and formalize a little bit will be incredibly valuable. I kind of look at, you know, the media we have one to many, the sessions we have one to few, and then we set up like one-to-one mentorships, uh, which is like the one-to-one, um, which is, which is huge. Uh, and then the last piece we talked about, you know, we got a retreat coming up in September. We're going to announce it soon, hanging out in Napa. That's a pretty straightforward. We do these to, you know, help our founders level up, uh, get our LPs networking with each other. You know, one of the cool things about the fund too is just seeing how many folks not only are helping our founders, but also helping each other and doing business with each other. Uh, that's been super cool. And some of our events, you know, are, are certainly fuel to that. You think we're going to beat 85? 85 was crazy last year that we got that many like C-suite level folks out. You think we're going to beat it? Yeah, I think we will. Um Two reasons. One, we have more folks in the fund now. And two, we're doing it in between Zaster and Dreamforce in the same area. So uh, I think we'll, I think it's less of a destination for some people because of that. And so therefore, right. we'll, probably, we'll probably get a lot. Yeah. I'm pumped. All right, brother. That was, that was it. Anything else you want to leave the uh, listeners with before we, we catch you again next month? Um, no, I think that was plenty. Cool. Beautiful. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. We hope you enjoy these bonus episodes. We'll keep them rocking every month. And, uh, we got a lot of great, great leaders, operators, and VCs upcoming. Uh, our guest list is just stacked. So, um, keep tuning in, check out our GTM newsletter on Substack, and we will see you next week.